Let's look here in Luke, the seventh chapter. It says, Now when he concluded, speaking of Jesus, all of his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant, who was dear to him, was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and to heal his servant. And when they had came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he had already, when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent his friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to the one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who went were sent, returning to the house, found the servant well who had been sick. Now we see here, according to the word of God, there are two instances in the word that cause Jesus to marvel. Marvel means literally to be filled with wonder or amazement, astonishment. Wonder or astonishment. Now the first instant was when Jesus was in his hometown. And then because of the unbelief, the Lord was astonished. He was astonished. The word astonished means being ex extremely surprised or extremely impressed. Now, I see that when he was in his hometown, as he made the declaration, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, in his own city, in his own area. Those that are familiar with him before they, uh, before, if you will. But we see that he was, he was astonished at the fact that they did not believe. Could you imagine the healer, the creator, the Lord Jesus, the word? made flesh, Emmanuel, God with us there in the midst. But because of the unbelief, there was no healings or not many healings that took place. And the Lord Jesus was, was astonished. But here we see the flip side of that. That the Lord was so extremely impressed. He was, the word said that he marveled at this man. And I've used this text over and over again to highlight authority. And I believe authority is part of that, and it's a great example of authority. But as I look at this further, I see that there's attributes about the centurion that you and I need. And that as we look at the Word of God, as we see the Word of God, yes, authority is included in there. 
but not just authority. I believe that what caused Jesus to marvel, to be astonished, was his faith in Jesus' ability to bring that healing. I believe as we enter into these days that are not like days that we have faced before, I believe that there is an astonishing faith that's going to awaken in the heart of the church. I believe that there is a faith that is already resident in the heart of the church, but the Spirit of God is going to begin to awaken that faith in our heart. The longer I live for God, the more that I serve the Lord, the more that I realize how dependent we are upon the Holy Spirit. We cannot get away from the fact that we must have the Spirit of God. God must bring revelation in order for you sitting there right now to understand what God is saying. The Spirit must reach down and unfold. He must awaken. He must reveal to you. Does he use people? Yes, he does. Will he use you? Yes, he will. But the Spirit of God is the ultimate one who opens and awakens the truths of the Spirit. He speaks only of Jesus, and our faith will only attach to Jesus. True faith is attached to him. And I believe with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my spirit, I believe that there is an astonishing faith that God is going to awaken in his church I do not believe that the Lord started the church out as he breathed into the nostrils of the disciples they received the spirit then they waited in the upper room and the spirit of the Lord fell on the day of Pentecost and the spirit of God filled each one of them and that flame of fire set upon each person. That flame of fire was to go set the world ablaze with the knowledge that Jesus Christ was no longer in the grave, but he rose again on the third day. And now we can be free from the penalty of death. We have a home in heaven if we will accept God as our Lord and Savior. Wow. I believe that there is an astonishing faith that God is going to use in these last days He's going to use the church because the church is the vehicle in which God has purpose for his glory to be displayed. The church of Jesus Christ. The church of the word. The church of the living God. Now, as we look to the word and before we get deep long into this passage here, let me say, as we look to the word of God, in Acts 9 and 6, as I said, I don't believe the Lord is going to cause us to limp in as the church in the last days. He started us, started us out with power and with might, miracles, signs, and wonders. I believe the same spirit poured out on the day of Pentecost is the same spirit that lives inside the church. We need to be awakened to the faith that we will have in Jesus to accomplish his will. I believe that we will begin to see the moving of the Spirit. We see in Acts 9 and 6. So he was trembling and astonished. 
Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you, and you will be told what you must do. That was the Apostle Paul before he was the Apostle Paul. The Lord visited him and he was as trembling and he was astonished. I believe there's an astonishing faith that's going to cause the, call the apostles back into the place of promise. Those that will go establish the church. Those that will move out from among us. Those that will begin to reach the unreachable and teach the unteachable. I see the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts 10 and 45 at Cornelius' house, also a centurion. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon them and those that were standing around, they were, ast they were absolutely astonished at what was taking place. I believe there's an astonishing faith. Not that God is going to be astonished, but we as the church are going to be astonished at the reality. We see that they were amazed, they were astonished, they were in wonderment in the book of Acts whenever Peter came and he was knocking at the door. As he was knocking at the door, they were surprised because they had been praying for his deliverance. And guess what? God showed up and delivered him out of the prison. And where did he go? He went where the church was assembled. He began to knock at the door, but they were astonished. They were astonished at the fact that he showed up. Look it up. You can see it in Acts 12 and 16. I believe, church. I believe, church. I believe, church, that God has an astonishing faith that he is awakening in the heart of the people of God. As we look to the word, we see the centurion. And as we, we look at the centurion, we can rightfully draw some valuable lessons about authority, and we're going to talk about authority for a little bit here this morning. But there's other aspects about the, about the centurion that we see here that I believe has direct correlation to, a, to astonishing faith. I believe as we look here, we, the, the centurion, he understood authority. He also was generous with his giving. And he pursued Jesus with humility. I believe there is an astounding faith that will not astound the Lord because this is what the Lord is after, but it is astounding faith that will cause you and I to be astounded at what God will do when we bring ourselves in proper alignment with God's will. As we see here, the understanding of authority. This man had the knowledge because he was a centurion soldier. We know as a centurion soldier, he had 100 legionnaires that were under his command. As we see the Roman army, how that they were so, such a strong military force. How that they had conquered so many nations because of the strength of their military and this man didn't assume this position it wasn't granted to him it's one that he earned it's one that he worked for the leadership ability was seen in him he earned the respect of his superiors and now he is in this position and as a centurion soldier he understood authority as I believe the church needs to understand authority. 
He said, I'm under authority. Folks, we cannot have authority unless we are under authority. You cannot. We may think we can, but we cannot. I see that so many difficulties, not just in churches, but in business and in homes and in nations, comes from a misalignment of authority. I see that there are, there are four avenues of authority. There's neglected authority. What is neglected authority? It's having authority, but not walking in that authority. When my children were little, I had to, the, the Lord gave my wife and I a revelation, and that revelation was we were in charge. That our children are our children, and if we really love them and care for them, that we must walk in the authority that God has given us in order that they may be protected. But how often do we find ourselves in situations where the children are ruling the house because there is neglected authority? Now, as we look also as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, how much do we tolerate from the enemy because the church has neglected her authority? She's not walking where she should be walking or doing what she should be doing. But I believe that there is an astonishing faith that is being awakened in you right now. That maybe you have tolerated that depression way too long. And now it's time to return to the authority that Jesus has given you by his blood. We see that there is assumed authority, which is also not the right authority. When we talk about, when I say assumed authority, what I'm referring to is someone taking the position of authority that does not belong to them. Would you assume authority? You see maybe a leader that may not be as strong as some of the abilities that you have or you see a better way and that you assume or I assume that authority and say, I'm going to walk in that authority then we are not in alignment with God. We need to know as the people of God where our authority begins and where it ends. I've had those in lands far, far away in distant areas so far from here that no one would even know their name. That's to protect those that I'm speaking of. I've had people come and sit across my desk and say, I need you, Pastor, to go to this individual who I am in business with and I need you to correct them. And I said to them, much to their dismay, much to their surprise, much to their wonderment, I said, oh no. I said, my authority stops here. If they come to church and they sit under this ministry, yes, I will. And they call me pastor and they call this their church, yes, I will, I will operate in a spiritual authority over their life. But when it comes to you and them in business, that's between you and him. That has nothing to do with me. That's beyond the, the boundaries of the authority that God has given me. And I have found that when you understand the boundaries, you understand the, the peace and the rest. That whenever there comes time for correction, I don't correct those that are not under my authority. I don't correct those that are not sitting under the authority that, that God has given or they have chosen to worship with me. I've had parents want me to correct their children. I said, no, that's your job. You are the authority over your family, not me. 
I don't want to go there. I'm not going to go there. I not only serve as a pastor of this church, but I serve on other ministry boards. I serve in other ministries. And my obligation as a follower is to get under their authority of the leader and to represent them the best that I can and offer input and offer whatever God has given me for them, but not to assume the authority that's not mine. And then we all know that there's abused authority. There's authority that is abusive. That when someone has the power, someone has the control, they don't use it for protection or for good, but they use it to dominate those that may be weaker or those that are under them. It's so amazing to me that this centurion gives us such a clear representation on a level that we can understand when it comes to authority. And children of God, hear me. Once we get a clear, sober, healthy mindset about authority, then we can begin to operate in faith that God will awaken in us if we will receive. I believe that with all of my heart. Here is a man who used his authority not for his selfish gain and good, but he used his authority to protect other people. We see that he had alignment. He said, I have authority because I'm under authority. And that authority was used to protect others, protect those in his household. See, he understood that he is a centurion. If you don't, if you don't obey him, that you're going to obey the, the Roman government that is over him. We have police officers that are in our congregation, and we thank God for them. But that police officer decided that he's going to go to the local 7-Eleven or, or, or the local Brookshire's or some other store, Walmart, and pull out his gun and his badge and hold up that store. Guess what? He has stepped outside of authority. He's no longer un under authority because God only flows through authority, and his ability to enforce the law must be because he is under authority. God flows through authority. Now think about that as it pertains to faith. Think about that as, it, as, as the Lord begins to cause that to ruminate and to germinate in your spirit. Jesus is the authority. We'll get into that a little bit deeper in just a moment. But I want you to see something. With the authority that the centurion had, with that authority that he understood that he had. He said, Jesus, if I tell one of my soldiers to go, he goes. If I tell him to stand, he stands. If I tell him to move, he moves. All you need to do is send your word. All you need to do is say the word, and this disease that has afflicted my servant, my slave, it will lift. Jesus was astonished. Now there is an astonishing faith that God is awakening in your heart right now. Right now. It's in the authority of God's word. But we see here the other aspect about this centurion that so impresses me is he was generous with his giving. He was here as a man who displayed measures of selflessness. 
he sent, he didn't come to Jesus himself, but he sent the representatives from the synagogue that he built for them. And he sent those messengers there to ask Jesus to heal his servant, not himself, not for his selfish gain, but to heal the one under his, in his house under his protection. Generous means showing readiness to give more than is necessary or expected. This man had a generosity when it came to the gifts and the resources that he had. Let me say, I believe that the mark of the first day church will be the mark of the last day church. Where no brother or sister was in need because those that were moved on by the Spirit, the church itself, they began to make all things common so that no one lacked. You see there in Acts 4, verses 32 through 37, you can look it up and begin to study. One of the marks of the first day church was the fact that they were generous. I believe that God needs to open our heart and begin to reveal to us maybe how selfish we are and how selfless he is and that his nature is generous. Let me ask you this question. As it is so easy to become self-focused, so easy to look around and say, okay, why do they have to put limits in stores? Because we'll run in there and we'll hoard up all the things that are in there. Why? Because we're not so much concerned about our neighbor as we're concerned about ourselves. Limit two per customer. Limit one per customer. So we go get ourselves and five other, our family members, and say, customer, 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 customer. We get our stuff and we load it up. You've seen the images. You may be the one. I pray that you start repenting. You walk out and you got the shopping buggy filled with toilet paper. It's running over. You got one in each arm as you're pushing a buggy to the car. Do you have any concern for your neighbor? No. See, there's a poverty spirit in the land today. And it says, take care of me and my four, and I don't care about what happens outside the door. You get to the place, and all I'm interested in is me, myself, and I. I'm going to protect me. But that's not the Spirit of God. Let me tell you, the centurion shows us something about faith that I believe the church needs to receive and believe. And that something is, is God is a generous God. God is a giver. And the Spirit of God is a spirit of giving. It's generosity. And I believe, folks, as we begin to align this to faith, we begin to understand it's not not just about me it is about the world in which I live they need to hear what God is doing in and through the church ah, generosity the question is this if God were to heal you today what would you do with that healing would you continue in the present course that you're in would you continue to occupy that same place and position and seat? Why did God bring you out of that prison house? It wasn't so that you could continue in a liberty that leads you back to death. 
And what I mean by that, he didn't deliver you out of the snares of the enemy, out of the pit of hell. He didn't go sacrifice himself so that you could be about yourself. Oh no, the church of the living God needs to be about the business of the Father and the business of the Father is still the same. It's the saving of nations. It's bringing forth the kingdom of God. God is interested in the lostness of humanity. What are you going to do with what God has given you? I believe if you'll answer that question, there could be a reality that there's a door opening for you right now. doesn't matter your social economic position. What I'm saying to you is wherever you're at, the Spirit of God lives in your heart. There is a spirit of generosity that is directly linked to your faith. The centurion... It was such a clear example of astonishing faith. It wasn't to hold back and to hoard up. There was a time when Abraham sent for a, a wife for his son, Isaac. So his servant ended up at the local well. And he prayed this prayer that I believe that was inspired by the Spirit of God. He said, whenever I show up here and ask for a drink that she'll not only give me a drink but she'll give a drink to my to my camels you know how many gallons of water it takes to fill up a camel 150 gallons of water he had 10 camels that well wasn't just a matter of pulling up the rope and pouring out filling up the trough no you had to ascend down into the well dip it up and come back out there was an extreme amount of water that needed to be produced he just asked if he would, she would give a drink. She said, oh, no, I won't stop till they're all full. Let me say to you, there is a bride of Christ that Jesus, uh, that the Father is looking for. And it's not someone who is looking for just a little dabble to you, little minimal, uh, minimal effort to give the, 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 the grandest out, outcome. No, God is looking for someone who is passionate, purposeful, and say, oh, I want to have an astonishing faith. I don't want to give the minimal. I want to give the maximum. I want to give all that I have to give because there is a giver who gave me life. There is one who I have been espoused to who lives inside my heart and his spirit compels me because the heart of the Father is reaching out for those who are in need. Oh my God, give us some laborers that want to be in the field. Oh my God, give us some folks that have a heart burning and passion yearning for more of the Spirit of God, more of the wind of God, more of the power of God. Oh, God, give us some folks with astounding faith. Generous. Generosity. Let me tell you, there is a stinginess that lives in our flesh. My flesh and your flesh. To hoard, to hold on, to grab hold of, and to not let go. Why? Because I'm concerned about me and not about my neighbor. Oh, it's not just those that are down and out. Let me tell you, a person in poverty, is they can have just as much of a poverty spirit as the richest man who's made all of his wealth on Wall Street. It's a spirit of stinginess. 
but the Spirit of God is a generous spirit. And generosity is connected directly to our faith. Because God is saying, church, if I pour my spirit out, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to fall into the blessings and keep going and doing what you're doing? Or are you going to use your generosity as this centurion did and he built a house of worship? He not only built a house of worship, there was someone who fell sick in his house uh, under his care. And he sought after the Lord and said, it's not on my behalf. When's the last time we have prayed? Not on our behalf, but Lord God, on behalf of the nations, on behalf of those who are in political leadership, on behalf of those who are in local leadership. When is the last time we prayed for our children in school, in the schoolyards to be clean? Brother, from the wickedness and the debauchery. When's the last time we prayed that truth will be poured out uh, on the nations that people will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Or does my prayers consist of my four and no more? There's an astonishing faith. And that astonishing faith uh, is a generous faith. It's a faith that understands that I'm under authority. And I want to, the last point for those of you that may not think I'll close, and yes, you can pause and come back. That's a convenience of being online. I had a gentleman in Scotland come one time, and we were in there, opened the door. His name was Andrew. We were having service, and it was a public hall. He walks in, has, had no shirt on. He had cuts all over him. He was obviously uh, been in a gang and had gang fights, the cuts were, were scars, actually. He was there when I was ministering to our crowd that was there. Not unlike the crowds that are here today. It was small as we started, but we don't despise small beginnings. As we were there, I was preaching, and then I had to change course because I mentioned Jesus, and he stood up at the back, and he said, I don't talk to the monkey when I can talk to the grinder. Now there was something rose up in me because he's calling Jesus a monkey. And I just, I said, Lord, I, under my breath, I said, God, I need your help right now. And so I just started preaching the love of Jesus to him, the love of Jesus to him. I said, Andrew, you're the, I said, tell me your name. He said, my name's Andrew. I said, Andrew, you're the reason we're here. And the reason we're here is because Jesus loves you. The reason we're here is because Jesus died upon the cross. The reason we left the country we live in and come over here is because God wants you to know that he loves you. Andrew starts walking towards me. And I was like, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. He walks straight up to me and he sticks out his hand and he says, that's all I can take for now, but I might be back. I shook his hand and he went out and we went on with the service. Where was I going with that? I would like to know. No, where I was going with that was this. You may want to pause, but please come back. Praise God. As we look here, maybe all you can take right now, but come on back. Come on back. Come on. What I see about astounding faith is this. It's an understanding of authority. It's generous with my gifts, generous with my heart, generous with my resources. This man did not earn the right for healing for his servant. We can't earn it. 
Jesus paid for it. In fact, we are saved by grace. Grace is what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you and I. He, he died on the cross for my sin and for your sin. That sin debt has been paid in full. But the only way to obtain that is by faith. Faith, by his stripes we're healed. By his power we are filled. By his grace we are saved. It's complete. He said, Father, first off, forgive them for they know not what they do. But he said, Father, it is finished. The redemptive work of Jesus Christ was complete at the cross. Now you and I can only obtain that grace through faith. Reach in by faith to receive what God has given us. Faith in Jesus, not in our works. Faith in Jesus, not in our abilities. Faith in Jesus, not in our social standing or any other attribute that would take away from the magnitude of his goodness. Grace. Now, I would say to you today, and I submit this to you, and you can... You can have the scrutiny and you can come back to me on this if you want to. If you're mean, I may ignore you. But if you're not, I might receive it. I believe that you can have humility without grace. There are humble people that don't have grace. But I don't believe that you can have grace without humility. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, this centurion soldier shows us what astonishing faith looked like. Under authority, generous heart, and humble pursuit of Jesus. This man had the authority. He lived in the ruling nation. He lived knowing that at any moment in time, at a mile marker, he could drop whatever he was carrying and he could insist that any person in that community that had been subjugated by the, the power of his government, he could say, pick it up and carry that to the second mile. He could have, in his mind, think about it, he could have taken his legion of soldiers... And he could have gone to Jesus and found him, said, you 100, go search and find me Jesus, and you bring him to this house. He had that military authority. He had that authority, but instead, back to his selfless attributes as the unnamed centurion, knowing that there would be a defilement possibly for Jesus, knowing a little bit about the laws of the Mosaic laws. If Jesus entered his house, the rabbi would be defiled. So he said, Lord, you don't need to come to my house. They're serving with generosity. But not only that, I may live in the, as a citizen 
of the country that has subjugated all these other nations. The, na the rule of Rome was from Great Britain all the way to over to Egypt. All the countries that surrounded the Mediterranean Sea were under the rule of the Roman Empire. They were the strongest military force in that day, and they ruled for 500 years. They had the military might. But here was a man who shows astonishing faith. He said, in this scenario, you are the ruling king, and I am your subject. You are the suzerain, and I am the vassal. You are the one whom all nations, kingdoms, and rule. Oh, we may have the military might, but you have the power and the authority over all kingdom. And you can speak the word, and all you need to do is send the word. And once you send the word, then the disease has to bow. It has to make obeisance. It must kiss the feet of the king. It must say, you are the one who rules. Not me, you are the one. He's humble pursuit. He didn't use what he had. He didn't force and wrangle and drag Jesus to the house. He said, no, Jesus, you don't need to come. I don't want to take any more time than necessary. I know what you're doing is important and it is valuable. But all you need to do is just say the word. Just give the command. Let me say to you that command has already been given. By his stripes we are healed. By his blood we are delivered. Oh, the astonishing faith. Can you see it? This centurion astonished Jesus. That's astonishing to me to think that he astonished Jesus. Because I think of Jesus as the son of God. He is God, but he is also ever bid human flesh and in that moment knowing the hearts of all men yet he that was written down there for you and I that there was an astonishment there the limitations of his humanity and the spirit maybe at that moment just I don't know why it was written some things just baffle me how that God became man and walked upon the earth but he was ever bit God and he's ever bit man but let me tell you what does not astound Jesus today nor will catch him by surprise because I believe that he so wants this astonishing faith to rise up and to awaken in the hearts of his children oh let me ask you to do this trust God this centurion shows us more than authority he shows us generosity and he shows us humility and if we begin to understand that every nation, no matter what that nation may be, no matter how strong their military might, and I will go as far to say this, not even America is stronger than the power of Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, awaken astonishing faith in your church Lord awaken right now awaken us from the reality 
we have become so inward focused as a people. But Lord, you had to force us to reach outside of our walls reach into the heart of those that wouldn't attend, wouldn't show up. And I pray to God, if you've been tuning in, continue to tune in. But I also pray to God that wherever you're at, that you're going to find a local body and you're going to get connected and you're going to start attending service because it's not just about you, you're for and no more. God's got something in store for you. You may not be, be, be called to full-time ministry, but you're called to do ministry. You're called not just to look at yourself, but look around you and realize there are people who are in need. I pray to God, awaken Awaken, awaken us, Lord God. Awaken us, Lord God, to the day. Pray with me, Father, in the name of the living God. We pray, Lord God, for astonishing faith. Lord, to awaken in the hearts of your children. Lord, that we would understand the authority. And that is your authority. Your authority. You have a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that you are Savior and Lord and King of all. Lord, I pray today, Lord, those that are out there right now, that Lord God may be sitting in a place of discouragement and despair. I pray, Father, that you will awaken astonishing faith in them. That, Lord God, that there is a faith, Lord, that's going to cause, Lord God, the church planners to come out. Lord, the missionaries, the apostles, Lord God, to be called. And even on those ones on the roads to destruction, God, you're going to stop them in their path with the brightness of your light. Lord God, those promises that have been in the prison too long, Lord God, I believe that you're going to open those doors. Lord Jesus, I believe that you're going to bring deliverance and salvation. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen.